Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Hi there, this is Paul Barlow of the company ASAFE Inc. here in the USA, and you're listening to the new Warehouse Podcast. Today's safety tip is always consider the speed of your vehicles on site. Speed has a direct impact on the impact energy of those vehicles. It's the square root of the speed. So if you reduce the speed by one mile per hour, it's an exponential decrease in the impact energy. So speed should always be considered and will have a massive reduction in your impact energies and damages on site. With e-commerce off the charts, many small and growing warehouses are asking, how can I get ahead when my warehouse is barely keeping up? The answer is future-ready warehouse tech from Zebra Technologies. Warehouses can simplify and upgrade all processes, from automated inventory management to hands-free picking with Zebra's tailored, scalable mobile solutions. They're simple and intuitive. There's never been a better time to upgrade for success with Zebra. How can your warehouse get ahead? The answer's in black and white. Get the answers at zebra.com slash the answer. That's zebra.com slash the answer. Fulfillment demand continues to skyrocket and outpace available labor. To keep up, warehouse operators are turning to flexible fulfillment solutions like Six River Systems. Utilizing Six River Systems' award-winning combination of collaborative robots, artificial intelligence, and operational expertise will make your associates in wall-to-wall fulfillment workflow more efficient. No new infrastructure, no change to warehouse layout, easy to deploy and scale, easy to train and retain associates, all at half the cost of traditional automation. Want to take your fulfillment operation to the next level? Level? Go to www.sixriver.com to learn more. That's www.sixriver.com to learn more. Starting March 28th, Modex 2022 lets you see what's coming and take advantage of it to power your supply chain with more possibilities for years to come. With 850 exhibitors and education sessions, Modex 2022 is where you'll find the more of everything. From illuminating education to next generation technology and equipment in action to the latest equipment and system solutions for your supply chain needs. Visit modexshow.com and join us March 28th to 31st, 2022. The New Warehouse Podcast, hosted by Kevin Lawton, is your source for insights and ideas. From the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawn with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. On today's episode, I am going to be joined by Paul Barlow. He is the CEO at ASAFE, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how they got into the guarding industry and how their guards 
differ from a traditional steel guard and what the difference is and how that really counts. And it's also going to talk to us about their new Rack Eye solution. And we're going to dive a little bit into the Pro GMA, which is a part of MHI, and their protective guarding search tool, which is very interesting. So, Paul, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm very well, and you? I'm doing well, doing well. So you're over in uh, the UK, is that right? No, I'm based in the USA, but I'm a I'm a UK resident. Oh, gotcha. UK, okay. UK passport holder. Okay, okay. So where are you today? Are you, you're in UK or USA? No, I'm in York, Pennsylvania, the USA. Oh, York. Okay. Well, there's a York in uh, the UK and a York in Pennsylvania, right? Too. <laughs> I know. I was born not far away from that. Oh, okay. Very interesting. All right. So, so welcome to the show. And we're going to talk about your company today, A-Safe. So tell us a little bit about A-Safe and uh, what it is you guys really do. Okay. Well, A-Safe was originally formed back in Elland near, near Leeds back in 1984, I believe, by okay. David Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, David originally worked in the polymer industry and started a company on actually manufacturing uh, shrink wrap films back in the sort of mid-80s. Shrink wrap film was still a fairly innovative technology back in those days. So David uh, got into that business uh, back in those days. It was originally known as a Fax Films back in those days. Okay. And over the years, he's developed other polymer products, including pallets and core products. And, mm-hmm. and in the, at the turn of the millennium, he, he developed a safety barrier. Mm, interesting. So, Okay. And the the safety barrier now, I mean, I think I saw on the, the website, it's a pretty, pretty interesting story, how mm-hmm. that kind of came about. So how, how did that idea come about and what kind of sparked that? At the time, they were man- manufacturing uh, polymer pallets uh, for various companies around the world. And one day they had, I believe it, it must have been the HSE in the UK, the health and safety inspectorate, come into the facility and say, well, you need to guard that machine and you need to guard that machine. Mm. And as a result of that, at some point, somebody had seen our pallets stood up on end and said, well, why can't we just sort of put the pallets together and make a, a barrier mm. from the pallets that they were doing? Uh, and that really led to the first concept of, well, well, why can't we just make a special polymer barrier? Yeah. We have the technology, the the extrusion technology. So why can't we do it? And that was really, I believe, is the first sort of seed of thought of polymer barriers in the whole world. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. And obviously, I think a creative idea, you know, you look at something a little a little bit differently and, and it sparks a, sparks an idea. So it's very interesting how it kind of came about and, and really started to develop. So now the the polymer itself now it's it's a little different as you mentioned you know it's the first kind of polymer barrier in the industry that it came about so mm-hmm. so talk to us a little bit about the difference between the the polymer barrier versus a steel or metal barrier that we may typically have have in mind or, or see a lot of so sure so asafe actually manufactures all their own polymer so mm-hmm. it's our own intellectual property on the constituent of that polymer which makes it very flexible Uh, so we manufacture it on our own machines we blend the polymer ourselves, and as i say it's our own intellectual property the the makeup of that material but when it comes to steel uh, there's two big differences between steel and polymer steel is a very rigid product Uh, it's designed to be rigid uh, so it has very little 
energy absorption capability. Mm-hmm. So any vehicle that travels with a mass and a speed has an empirical amount of energy, and that can be calculated. Mm. Energy doesn't just go, doesn't just disappear when you you hit something. That energy is either transferred, converted into another form of energy. Uh, it's one of the energy laws. So when a barrier, when a when a vehicle hits a barrier, the the kinetic energy of that vehicle moving forward goes into something. So right. and it typically goes into the barrier. And on a steel barrier, because it has very little absorption capability, its first reaction is to bend. That is a form of, of absorption. Okay. And then the next thing it tends to do is when it leach, reaches its limit of bend, it either breaks or it pushes the energy into the floor anchors and, the, and then the barrier pulls out of the floor and, and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Mm. With polymer, it's very different. With polymer, we're not trying to resist that energy. We're trying to work with the energy. So when, when a vehicle hits our barrier, we're not trying to just hold it back. Mm. We're trying to exhort, take that energy, absorb it within to the system, within dampers, within the, the posts of our system. So that energy is channeled into certain sections of the barrier. So we're not putting the energy into the floor. We allow the product to deflect. It's elastic in, in that sense. Yeah. And then it comes back to its original position. And I, I like to, to say it's a bit like, you know, cars from the 1980s. They all had steel bumpers on steel brackets. And, mm. you know, if you hit anything at any speed with them, you'd bend the bumper or you'd bend the brackets or, yeah. or what have you. Whereas today's cars... You know, every car on the road today has a polymer style bumper that's designed to take an impact at a very low speed. So Mm. one or two miles an hour, you might get superficial scratches and things like that, but you won't get any damage. There'll be no structural damage to the car. And that's the difference. You know, a a bump around a car is absorbing energy Mm. and it's the same principle in in our product, just higher energies because the vehicles are heavier and the speeds are higher. Hmm. It's very interesting, and I, and I love the idea that you know it can uh, essentially bounce back and in, into shape. And you know, I think though right. that uh, I'm curious in the beginning, you know, when uh, this was like first first introduced, you know, how did you? Because I think you know, you think barrier and you think like stop. Like I want something that's going to be yep. rigid and stop right yep. and and protect yep. whatever it's whatever it's guarding. So you, you mentioned in there that the you know the polymer is flexible in a sense, and mm-hmm. I think the first thing you know maybe the mind is geared to is when I want a barrier, I don't want something necessarily flexible, right? So so how did you change kind of that that mindset, or or how did you get the market to to realize that this was a maybe a, a better product than, than looking at steel? Well, the, the, to be honest, you never really, to make mm. it so strong enough, yeah. uh, any other kind of barrier to stop, you literally have to, you know, greet it into the floor mm. and make it so almost cost uncompetitive right. that you really can't stop these vehicles with any kind of solution on the market. So even if you had steel, those energies from those vehicles it would just either drive through them mm-hmm. or rip, you know and rip them out of the floor so there was ne- there's never really been a solution that can just stop them right you know uh, many manufacturers out there will tell you yeah you know you run into our steel barriers and they just pull straight out of the floor mm-hmm. so that stop solution is not really uh, a competitive solution in the market because you'd have to make it like a highway barrier you know and put 
like concrete, five tons yeah, of concrete yeah. around yeah. each post to really stop a vehicle. And even then, you'd still bend everything. And you'd probably damage the vehicle, and you'd probably damage the person inside the vehicle because mm. that person coming to a stop at such a, you know, a, a rapid deceleration is not good either. Mm. So, and then the polymer, whilst we do deflect, we limit that deflection. And it's a, just the deflection zone behind the barrier. So it it will deflect up to about 15 inches in total, which is, what, about 350 millimetres. But that that's a deflection then that you would design into your walkways or things like that as a possible zone that could be impacted under under the heaviest of impacts. So it's just a slightly different thought process that yeah. needs to be considered, and, and that's how we kind of sell the product. Gotcha. Very interesting, and and I think uh, along those lines as well. You know, I saw on the the website you guys have pretty extensive testing. It seems like, and you have some some very cool videos of uh, you know things smashing into your your guarding. Um, so so how does the kind of testing come about and and how did you develop these different tests to to ensure the the strength of the the guarding yeah i mean uh, there is no standard or Mm -hmm. back in you know a few years ago there was no standard in anywhere around the world on barrier testing of any kind you know you you test for fire alarms you test fire extinguishers you test all kinds of other safety equipment but barriers there really is no standard around the world so and we, we're a very conscious company and we want to make sure that our products are up to the ratings that we promote. So mm-hmm. we have a very, very high level of testing of all our products, both internally, which is then witnessed by TUV Nord out of Germany. Okay. So it's, it's, it's an area that we as a manufacturer take very responsibly that at the end of the day, this is a safety product and it needs to work and it needs to work to what we publish that it works because there's people behind this barrier. Mm-hmm. So if we say it will impact and, and take 20,000 joules of energy, it will take 20,000 joules of energy. Mm-hmm. I can't say that for the rest of the industry because there has been no constraints on the industry. Uh, but moving forward, the ProGMA along with C has developed uh, a testing standard for here in the US that we hope to adopt in 2022. Mm. to get all manufacturers to go on board and get their products tested to a, a national standard yeah. to ensure that manufacturers, when they're buying or considering buying barrier product uh, to protect their employees or protect their machines or whatever, that they're getting, a, they're getting what they pay for. Uh, so that should be around in mid to late 2022. Okay, interesting. And, and I think that's, you know, definitely necessary. I mean, we're talking about, you know, things that are, are protecting, as you mentioned, people and, and vehicles and other expensive equipment, I'm sure. So there should be some type of standard in place ensuring that, you know, these things are actually going to protect what they, what they say they're going to protect. And you mentioned the pro GMA in there and how you guys are developing the standard. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, the pro GMA and, and what, what is that exactly? So the ProGMA is a, an industry group of the Materials Handling Institute here in the USA, mm-hmm. and it's the Professional Guarding Manufacturers Association. So it, it contains a group of manufacturers uh, that produce anything to do with guarding, barriers, netting, anything to do in that sort of realm of industry. Mm-hmm. 
And as an organization, we're trying to take the industry forward, improve things for the industry, market the industry, and collectively work together to raise our profile in, in the industry. Very interesting. And I think that's the right thing to do. I mean, I think, you know, like you mentioned, developing this standard and obviously coming together, um, the industry as a whole can do the right thing for the end user and make sure that all this guarding and safety things are are taken care of and, and developed in the right way so that the end user actually stays safe as well. And I think along with the, the standards that you mentioned, you guys are also developing a protective guarding search tool. Is that is that correct? And can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the ProGMA decided that obviously there's there's a lot of different products out there available to different manufacturers, and and mm-hmm. so we thought that as a as a an assistance to those people searching for a, a safety type product or a guarding product that we could develop a search tool within the ProGMA website that would assist and direct people into towards different manufacturers rather than having to go and search themselves. Mm-hmm. So it would it would it would direct them to some of those manufacturers that you know if you're talking about machine guarding there's you know different machine guarders on there and mm-hmm. or barriers or guardrail or whatever so it's just a, an aid to help people find products easier and manufacturers. We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, very interesting. And that's live now or that's in development still? I believe it's live now. Okay, all right, and that can be found through the MHI website, or where can that be found? Yeah, if you put into the ProGMA mm-hmm. uh, and, and search for search for protective guarding tool, I believe that comes up. Okay, all right, cool, and we'll, and we'll link to that at thenewrocks.com as well, so people can find it. So, so we're talking about safety here, and obviously, you guys have been doing these polymer barriers for quite some time, as you mentioned. But you're also getting into some newer technology. I, I see on the safety side as well, um, maybe some, I guess, smarter technology in a, in a sense called Rack Eye. So, tell us a little bit about Rack Eye and, and what what that does. It is pretty interesting. Yeah, as a company, we know that technology is moving forward. And mm-hmm. so our sort of first soiree into that segment is the Rakai product. So the Rakai okay. product is a device that attaches to each rack leg of your warehouse. Mm-hmm. And it's a live monitoring system mm. for impacts on your racking. So typically in a warehouse, they may inspect their racks once a week, once a month, once every three months, maybe never, maybe they maybe just, never. <laughs> they rely on the, the fork truck drivers or mm-hmm. what have you in the facility to say, Hey, I've hit that rat leg. I bent it. It's mm-hmm. damaged. Or maybe they don't have drivers that like to own up to mistakes. Yeah. 
this is a this is a tool that negates all of that because it's doing the monitoring live all the time so mm. you attach one device to each rack leg and in the event of an impact it it senses the level of that impact okay and it then sends a signal to the responsible person on site whether it be by text message or email or or, or, or the means saying you know rack leg seven of aisle f has just been impacted and it will even tell you to what extent it's been impacted whether mm. it's a, a low impact or a high impact um what you should do about it and then how to go and look at the rack leg even within the 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 app that comes with the two with the uh, rack eye it then asks you to put in some measurements on how much damage, and then it will advise you as to whether it really needs replacing, whether it should be, it's okay, or, uh, you know, whether the area needs to be cordoned off because it, it's a serious safety concern. So it's a tool, a smart tool mm. that is live and, and real time. So it's just another means of providing information, real time data to warehouses on the potential damage and risks of a racking collapse because when a racking collapse it's usually not just one rack it's usually all of them because they end up doing the yeah. domino effect Dominoes, yeah so if you can prevent those rack legs from failing and that means if you're monitoring the rack legs not only are we just monitoring the rack legs but the people on site know that the rack legs are being monitored then there tends to be a, a significant reduction in people impacting those legs as well. It, it tends to drive up safety mm. on site or, should I say, more caution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I've certainly seen that in my experience too is, you know, you you let the employees know you're, you're monitoring them. They tend to, to reduce the amount of incidents and they seem to seem to pay closer attention because they don't want to get called out basically. And, you know, I think it's a, it's an interesting concept and it, it's certainly something I think, like, as you mentioned, you know, there's depends on the, the culture that's in place, whether you have employees that are going to report whether they hit a rack or not, or, you know, maybe it's instilled in them from previous jobs and cultures that, uh, you know, if you hit the rack, you, you're going to be terminated or something. So they don't report it. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's difficult to get uh, cameras, at least that many cameras to be able to see mm -hmm. all those different angles and things that happen when you're talking about huge facilities. So, so the rack, I mean, it, it certainly sounds like a, a smart solution to, to that issue. And as you said, you know, it can mm -hmm. help you to, to monitor the integrity of your, your racking, which, you know, could be uh, potentially fatal in a, in a sense. So, yeah. so how did the idea for rack, I kind of come about, is this something that uh, customers were, were asking for or was there a specific incident maybe that sparked it? No, I think as a company, we are moving more and more into the technology field, connected world. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the first of one of those products. So I don't honestly know where it originally started. I don't know whether it was just an idea or a customer had an idea. Mm -hmm. But the original concept of it started back in 2015, I want to say. Okay. Uh, and it's taken us several years to, to be able to bring a marketable product out because of the because these are not linked to any power supply they're all battery so we don't we don't need any power supply or anything on any, any of these devices mm. you know battery technology has improved significantly over the last five years so yeah. uh, you know there's a lot of there was a lot of work working around the power supply uh, to make it a 
a usable device. It's a, it's a, it was a great idea, but whether it was a, a yeah. operationally usable was is another thing. So it's taken, as I say, sort of five or six years to bring it to a market solution. But as we move forward, then we will start to see that impact technology, sensing technology, integrated into other products across our portfolio. So into barriers, into bollards, things like that. So that, you know, you can get a bigger picture of what's happening on your site. Where are things being impacted? Heat maps, you know, is there particular areas where things are getting impacted all the time? Where's, why is that? What, you know, and, and allow you to do a bit more root cause analysis. So that's just how we're going forward as a company. Mm. Very interesting. And uh, yeah, I love that you're bringing the technology into the safety aspect as well, because I think it makes it easier to to monitor and and definitely gives people more insight into, into what's really happening in the warehouse, especially as we see, you know, gigantic buildings popping up all over the place, more ground to cover for, for managers and supervisors. So, you know, being able to give them better tools to really monitor and, and understand, you know, what's happening in reality out there in the, in the middle of their racking is a, is a good thing. So, mm-hmm. so very interesting to, to learn about ASAFE and uh, the pro GMA as well. Um, so Paul, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, if people want to find out more information about ASAF and, and the guarding and also Rackeye, how can they do that? So they can go to www.asafe.com. That's the easiest way. All our products and details are on there or within the USA, obviously the pro GMA, we're a member of the pro GMA and our information is on that website too. Okay, great. And we'll put all that information at the newhouse.com as well. So people can easily find it. So Paul, thank you once again for your time on the show today. You've been listening to the new warehouse podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at the newwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from the new warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for the new warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.